welcome to Shutting Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average show and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 72. Have you ever had a hard time making a decision? Like two options before you, maybe more options than that, and you're just indecisive. Um, my wife and I are usually that way whenever it comes to restaurant picking. Um, we have we get in a car, we're going to go eat someplace. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? And we go back and forth. Finally, we drive around. Usually whenever we get to a place, for some ridiculous reason, it's closed or <laughs> something's going on. Uh, sometimes decision-making can be hard. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm kind of in that mode a little bit. I actually used to make fun of my buddy Trav a little bit, um, who's been on the show before. Uh, because he used to call me all the time debating about whether or not he wanted to shoot the recurve bow or if he wanted to go back to his compound, you know. And he would debate that, especially in his early years, um, you know, shooting the recurve. It was just a struggle for him to be consistent, and so he wrestled with that. And I was like, man, just just pick one and go for it. Well, here I am <laughs> a few years later, and I'm sitting there wondering, Okay, what do I want to do with this recurve? I've enjoyed shooting it. I was really into it. I was all about trying to get a turkey with it. Was not able to get a turkey with it. And I'm in that decision-making mode. Um, any of you trad guys that are listening to this, maybe I sucked you in through a trad title. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of trad uh, with our guest today toward the end. But you guys know this this battle. Unless you've never picked up a compound, then it's just always been what you've done. But for me, it's... Um, shooting the, I shot my recurve bow for a couple months there. Never picked up my compound. I just enjoyed it. Was getting better at it. I knew that it would be more of a challenge. Um, but then just uh, yesterday, I picked up my compound for the first time in a long time. Man, it felt good just to be able to look down that peep sight, put the pin on it at 30 yards, and, and smoke the target three times in a row like that. It just felt good. Um, and so I'm kind of in that mode where I'm trying to make that decision. And, and partly that's based off of I realize that with the trad bow, it's going to probably take me more hunts, a.k.a. more time away from my family and my young kids um, and my wife. So that's what I'm wrestling with a little bit. So I, I don't know what I'll do in the fall. I'm not going to make you guys listen to me go back and forth on it uh, all summer long. But for right now, the recurve is I'm not selling it. I'm keeping it, and we'll see what happens down the road. Today's guest, uh, I met him on a platform where he, I think it was a trad group on Facebook, and he was able to take a bear with his recurve, and he's recently gotten into it again. And so we get into that a little bit later in our interview, but first we talk about hunting with his kids and some exciting hunts that he's been on. Also, we hear about an elk uh, hunt that he was on, able to get his first elk um, in Idaho. So, uh, really cool guest. His name's Nate Davenport. I think that you guys are going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, we're going to jump right in. Here's Nate. All right, I got Nate Davenport on the line. We had a little bit of uh, technical issues. Hopefully those are ironed out here with our service. But Nate, how's it going, man? Good, good. How are you doing? Oh, doing great. You were right in the middle of kind of giving us a little bit of your, your hunting background. You work there in Post Falls, Idaho at a tattoo shop in Spokane, just uh, northwest Idaho. But you're kind of getting into your, your hunting background is where we, we broke up. So uh, if you wouldn't mind hopping back in there, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, hunting with my family has been a, a big part of of my hunting experience. Um, uh, even early on, my father and grandfather, you know, introduced us to, to hunting. 
Um, I feel like um, today we probably have a different approach uh, with the way that we teach our kids. But um, back when we were started hunting <laughs> early on, you know, it was uh, it, they were sort of thrown to the wolves in a sense. Um, we would be set out on a ridge or told to go walk a ridge. And if you see an elk or a deer, you whatever you had a tag for, you know, you shoot it and then help will be coming. But um <laughs> it was so a little uh, <laughs> deep into the pool kind of thing yeah exactly yep sink or swim i guess you know <clears throat> yeah well cool so um as you go all like kind of get into your hunting career and you how do you figure things out it was just kind of trial and error or did you um you know how did you kind of learn the ropes you know with that type of style sure yeah i mean um you know i guess um we 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 tend to, uh, we did tend to have like hunting parties, I guess you would, you would say, um, we would have like an elk camp where, you know, there might be 10 or 15 different people up there in the camp. And so you could go along with, um, this guy or this guy and, and go along with them for the day. And so it, it did enable you to learn from other points of view and other perspectives and stuff like that. But there was certainly lots of trial and definitely lots of error, you know, I mean, as far as, uh, I still, to this day, you know, I, I almost prefer to hunt with somebody else to have to get a second opinion. I get so headstrong thinking I need to do a certain thing. Boy, if you give me enough rope, I'm definitely going to hang myself and figure out a way to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, I totally get that. I think I really, I mean, I like hunting solo. I, I like trying to challenge myself, but I think hunting with somebody, you learn things about yourself and they, they're able to kind of, you know, especially somebody that's not afraid to call out maybe some of your mistakes or some shortcomings where you, you know, I was hunting turkey hunting with my brother there a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, he's like, dude, do you know how much you move your head? Like one of our turkeys <laughs> coming in and I was like, no, I had no idea. He goes, dude, you're jerking it around like a you know, bobblehead. And I'm like, oh, well, good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we so, started duck hunting was a real similar experience boy i don't i i didn't realize how well you know birds can see movement and stuff and and boy i'm you know just over there bobbleheading around and people are looking at me going what are you doing <laughs> yeah. yeah so what do you do differently with your kids now compared to what you were you know born and raised with um you know i i i feel like um, I definitely started working on, um, things like marksmanship at a very, at a very young age. I mean, um, both of the kids were, um, shooting the rifles and shotguns from, you know, about the time that they could stand up and hold one or whatever. And I think that teaching kids, uh, firearm safety is super important in today's world and, um, having them know, um, a respect, um, an appreciation for what kind of power, you know, is in their hands is, is a very important part of, um, of hunting safety and, and stuff like that. And so, um, their, I guess, learning curve was a much longer one in the sense that we tried to nurture certain things, um, some woodsmanship and, and stuff like that, that, um, maybe, you know, it was definitely passed on, but not in, in such a nurturing way, maybe, or whatever. And so, um, I'm 
super blessed to have, you know, kids that enjoy the outdoors and um, want to get out there and do it and um, spend time with their dad still. And so uh, I'm very grateful for that, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's called mentoring is kind of what you're talking about. I mean, you can throw somebody at the deep end of the pool and they'll, they might figure it out or they might burn out. You know, I, I think that there's a lot yeah. of people that they, they don't hunt anymore because they, they just didn't get the guidance ter- that they needed. Yeah. I've had terrible experiences, you know, or whatever. And, mm. and, um, yeah, I think, you know, keeping, keeping it uh short and sweet for kids you know getting them into an opportunity but not like into an extreme weather or extreme situations where they're you know you gotta keep a positive mental attitude and keep them on the same page you know yeah well let's let's dive into some of those stories with your kids um if you don't mind any of those stories just kind of rise the top where you had a moment where it just kind of you know felt like a proud dad things kind of came together Oh, definitely. Um, uh, my son, my oldest son, Seth, he, he's 18 years old now. Um, his first buck with a friend over in Colville, Washington, and uh, he invited us out um, because he, uh, Seth was actually 11 years old. And in Idaho at the time, you weren't allowed to hunt big game until you were 12. And so uh, in Washington, he was able to get his license and hunt big game over there. And, um, Washington has a pretty great, um, program for, um, young hunters in the sense that they don't have to pay an out of state fees. They pay a resident fee, even if you're hunting from out of state. So it's, it's a pretty great opportunity for, for young ones to get out and get more opportunity and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so anyway, we, I, hooked up with a friend of mine that, um, out of, uh, four track hunting adventures and he invited us up and boy, we went, uh, drove to this spot and literally walked about 30 minutes and we're in front of deer and, uh, had watched, um, watched these does milling around and pretty soon this little buck came and chased them off, you know, and, um, in that unit, it was a minimum three point um, restriction. And so we had to be sure that it was a, a legal buck. And so we watched it for a while. Initially it was about 600 yards out and, and, um, it was working our way. And so at one point we kind of moved to position to, to get a better shot and, uh, came into about 250 yards, um, which is further than my son had ever shot, but I was pretty confident in, his ability and his rifle's ability to get it done. And, um, he squeezed that trigger off and that thing just laid down. It was a pretty proud, pretty miraculous moment. My buddy and I just looked at each other with our mouths open. <laughs> Neither <laughs> one of us could believe what just, you know, took place or whatever. And, uh, it was in, it was incredible. I, I had to, uh, tell my son that this is not how deer hunting with your dad normally works out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it worked out this way, you know, and then uh, with my, uh, younger son, he's 15 now. And, um, he has sort of just been in my back pocket for years. Like I can't hardly get out the door without him, you know, wanting to go along. And so, um, 
he was about that same age. I think he was 11 years old and, um, some friends from four track invited us out to their place to, um, um, see if he could shoot one of these younger bucks that they weren't targeting. And, uh, he was shooting his bow and got him set up with his compound bow and he was shooting about 45 pounds. Um, we got set up in this ground blind and boy, about 40 minutes later, this little three point buck walks up and initially he went to go draw his bow back and deer just kind of knew something, you know, it was kind of up and ran about 10 yards, but then kind of eased back in and, um, he just made the perfect shot on it and, uh, deer literally went about 30 yards and fell over and it was just incredible you know i mean i the only way i can uh describe those you know types of hunts you know when it just everything works perfectly you know yeah uh, um yeah pretty pretty proud moments you know i like i said i told was telling you before some of the best days i ever hunted i never you know held a gun or or a bow or pulled the trigger you know it's mm-hmm. those types of experiences are uh very near and dear to me for sure yeah i mean i think um I, i'm excited for that i don't know if my kids they're pretty young still i don't know if they'll get into hunting my two girls but you know i, I do the times that i've been out with buddies you know and, and watching them i it's almost like i i get just as excited sometimes watching them shoot something especially if they're newer to hunting um i don't know there's just something exciting about that and that, that to me is it's uh, just about as rewarding as doing it yourself, if not more. Absolutely. That when you light up and that smile is ear to ear, it's pretty tough to beat. Yeah. But I, I do know, you know, from I think I initially reached out to you about a bear. Um, you had a bear story. And I think also you've, you've uh, had some uh, success with elk. So I do know that you have had your own story. So I thought maybe we'd kind of shift gears here a little bit. And hop into some of those. So what are Nate's favorite personal stories where you were able to get something? <laughs> um, well, one of uh, my favorite stories to, to tell is um, a couple years ago, I was able to, to shoot a bull with my compound bow. And um, it was one of those days, um, you know, the, the stories I just told about the kids is where everything went right this will not be that story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the plan was to uh, get up in the morning and I had three days off and my son was going to take a day off of school and we were going to go out to and hunt, you know, for three days for elk. And so I, the night before I was already loaded up, I get excited. I can barely sleep, you know, and um had pretty much everything ready to go i had a few things to get done in the morning before we headed out but my son had um traveled for three hours the day before to um, go to a football game that he was playing in and didn't get back till about 11 o'clock at night and then here we are getting up at 3 a.m to try and get out and go hunting and so he typically um is pretty tough to wake up for school but if we're going hunting or fishing he's like snaps out of bed like (laughs) like he's in basic training or something (laughs) and so um i just couldn't wake him up 
And so I figured, well, maybe I'll go run a couple errands. I'll come back and um, get him out of bed and we'll go. And so I did that, got gas, ice and all that. And came back, get him out of bed. And I, at, by that point, I was running out of time to make it down to the spot that I wanted to hunt that day. <clears throat> I have a tree stand that's closer to home. And so I figured, well, maybe I'll just go sit in that tree stand for four or five hours and then I'll come back and grab him at noon. We'll still go out there and hunt for a couple of days. And so, cool, I got it all done, all ready to go, jumped in the rig, head out to my spot. And, the, and it was right about time it was starting to get light. I'm getting into my tree stand and I'm not even sitting in my tree stand for more than 30 minutes. And this is a public area. <clears throat> And about a hundred yards above my tree stand, there's a road and it's a, it's a gated road. Um, but certainly, you know, people go up there and hunt. Well, I'm sitting in the tree stand about 15 minutes and I hear a bugle and it's the worst sounding bugle that you've ever heard. It's the guy <laughs> that bought a bugle yesterday and is trying his first time to bugle out in the woods you know at, at five o'clock in the morning or whatever what is this guy doing Jeez! and so the last thing i want to do is start calling this guy down to my tree stand and so i'm just sitting there listening you know hoping that usually you know when you hear hunters like that a lot of guys will sort of do this run and gun technique they'll bugle from every you know ridge until they get something to sound off and then they'll go in and after it He's just sitting up there going like crazy. Terrible bugles. Half of them were just broken in the middle. And, you know, it's like, man, I'm just feel bad for the guy. And then pretty soon his buddy starts going. He's not any better. His buddy is just as bad as he is. And I'm just like, man, these guys are crazy. What are they doing? You know, they're trying to scare every elk out of here. And then <clears throat> it was probably about 40 minutes. I'm listening to these guys. And then. Pretty soon, I hear him bugle, and probably 10 seconds later, he's 100 yards down the ridge and bugles again. And I was like, well, that's weird. Guys don't do that. I've never heard a guy do that. And so right about that time, I hear another bugle from across the ridge the other way. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sitting right in between three elk bugling back and forth to each other. <laughs> had this realization you know and so and this other bugle i mean you can never really i mean sometimes you can tell but hard to tell you know but definitely sounds like an and so i cow called and he bugled right back and so i chuckled and i raked the tree next to me and that bull just came in on a string but he was coming down in a weird spot and i had these 20 yard shooting lanes from my tree stand um and he was gonna hang up before he ever got there and in fact i watched him come down and started to slow down right where i thought that he might hang up and so i cow called and boy he just picked up and he ended up walking right through my shooting lane and so i or he was drawn back and and released my arrow and watched it disappear and just felt instant relief at that moment well that bull turned 
he had no idea what what just happened. He turned and ran about 15 yards down in the bottom of the creek bed, and he was looking up into the trees. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, and which felt like minutes was probably seconds, you know. But it took gave gave me enough time to get another arrow ready and drawn, and then as soon as he turned, I shot him again and um watched him take about 10 steps and and fall over and uh initially i was i've i've shot a couple i've shot a few animals uh killed a bunch of stuff but with my bow and you know even with rifles you know i mean half the time you shoot it it runs off and you got to figure out what's going to happen next when it falls over in front of you it's like the most glorious thing you've ever seen your whole <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, I stood up in my tree stand and i was shaking so bad i figured i better sit back down before i fall down <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh that's incredible nate that's great that's, uh, so call my wife and kids so it wasn't a hunter. It was, it was, you were basically what you thought was two hunters was actually two bulls going back and forth. Yeah. I believe they were young bulls that literally were just learning to bugle, you know, and they were terrible at it, but they were, <laughs> I, I'm positive that they were bulls now, you know, or every, especially after, after this other bull bugled, they didn't want anything to do with it. They were gone after that, you know? So if it was a hunter, they definitely would have, you know what I mean, tried to try to stick it to them. So, but oh, man. Uh, I was able to call my wife and kids, and they knew right where I was at, and so they drive drove right to me and helped me um, skin and her and pack out, and it was a uh, it was a great day. I mean, um, it was a great day for sure. Yeah. How did your, uh, I'm just curious, how did your son feel about the fact that he slept in that day? You know, did he, <laughs> I mean, was he upset at all or was he just happy for dad? There were some mixed emotions. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I would have never killed that bull. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if he didn't stay home, I would have never killed that bull. So. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Well, I met you on a trad site, I believe. So have you always shot, you know, that was with a compound. So did you switch over to shooting trad or was that something that you did as a youth? So talk us a little bit through, um, make a little transition here into, um, you know, traditional archery. How did you get into that? Um, you know, it's something that uh, I have kind of always um, had a longing for, or like, uh, an appreciation for, and, um, but I never, you know, never, I shot a recurve bow when I was in eighth grade, you know, in PE class with everybody else. And that was like the last time I ever touched one, you know, and, um, spent the rest of my life shooting a compound bow up until about two years ago. And, um, finally decided that I, I wanted to at least get one and start working towards, you know, being able to, to hunt with it. And, um, I enjoyed it so much that, that I have not touched it since I picked it. And so it's something that I feel like has been missing my whole life. I, I don't know how to explain it other than that. I, I was never a great compound shooter. Um, you know, I mean, I, 
I kept my range, you know, at, at respectable ranges where I knew that, you know, I could get it done. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably more deadly with a, with a reeker, um, given the wow. chance, you know, I've only had the opportunity to, to kill one thing, but, um, I, I love the, the instinctive nature to it, you know, the, it has helped me to, um, estimate ranges more accurately and, um, you know, my, um, keep my shot opportunities, you know, close and, and, you know, at a good, you know, respectable range and ethical range and stuff like that. And, um, in North Idaho, I guess one thing that sort of led me in this direction is that, um, there's not a lot of spot and stock opportunities in North Idaho. I'm not saying that they don't exist. Um, it's more like spot and shoot. Typically, if you are, if you see something, things are so thick around here that if you see it, it's in range, you know, or whatever. And so, um, most of the time you don't see stuff that's out past 50 yards. And so hunting with a bow makes a lot of sense here, you know, and there's a lot of archery hunters here. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, and you know, and there's definitely places for the, you know, long range rifle guys to go out here too. But a lot of, a lot of North Idaho forest is pretty dense and, and like, just tough to see stuff from far away and so um that was one thing that sort of led me in the direction of um you know wanting to go trad is that i everything i've shot's been within 30 yards and so yeah um, that's definitely not you know outside of ethical range for for a trad setup yeah no that makes sense completely um and i know what you're talking about like when i just started shooting trad um this summer or this summer it's not even summer this past uh spring whenever you know uh, march i think it was about march time i started and it's just i don't know there's something kind of pure and cool about doing it too yeah um i i took it out turkey hunting i i realized my challenge with it is i know i need to practice a lot and i'm still kind of cutting my teeth on just wanting to kill more animals and so i'm kind of still debating on whether or not i'm going to use it for deer in the fall because it's like yeah i could but most likely it's going to cost me some more hunts you know and that's that's where it's hard you know trying to decide but it sounds like for you if you're more effective with it and kind of you're given terrain you know it sounds like a smart thing to do yeah and i i mean initially when i started this trad journey i you know i had to be killing stuff for a while and i think that if you do you know go all out you have to be okay with that you know and yeah i've had some awesome close encounters and i've uh, you know had some like almost shot opportunities but um this bear was actually the first you know legit shot opportunity i've had and so um i was pretty pretty happy that it all worked out the way that it did for sure yeah let's jump into that story so tell us about how you decided to go after bear and uh, just kind of bring us through the story and how that all went down um well here in idaho um you can hunt bears over bait and you can hunt with um and so it makes bear hunting with a bow uh, uh great opportunities for hunting with a bow you know um 
I typically will uh, set up my baits where, you know, I have shots that are, you know, in the 15 to 20 yard range or, or whatever. I can practice that known distance range and get to where I know exactly what, what I have to do to make that and uh, try and you know, get shot. Um, uh, the, this with the quarantine stuff, it opened up some opportunity typically, you know, sun Mondays are my days off. And so I to hunt pretty hard those, those days, you know, and, um, I don't get work until about eight o'clock at night, evening hunts and stuff just aren't, you know, really gonna, gonna happen, but, um, being shut down for the, for the more opportunity to hunt and as much as I kind of hate sitting in a tree stand, uh, that's the only way it's going to happen for me, you know, or whatever. And so, right. um, I just have to kind of gut it out and, and sit and wait. You can do a little bit. It's nice because you can, um, have your camera set up so you at least, um, try and figure out the times that we're sitting and where you can kind of devote your time the best, but everything kind of shifts and changes every time I start hunting in the evening, they'd start coming in the mornings and, you know, vice versa. <laughs> and I started, uh, getting super excited cause I had a really nice bear coming in a couple of days before I killed this one. And for Idaho, uh, he was, he's like 300 plus, And that's like for Idaho bear, that's pretty good bear uh, over lots of bears get killed over bait and, and with hounds and, um, lots of big bears or never get the opportunity to to get super big and uh like where i see sometimes i see these pictures from the midwest and guys have pictures of four and five hundred pound bears and it's just blows my mind you know not that they don't exist i, I definitely am not going to say that because i i know a couple of guys that have killed bears that are over 400 pounds here in idaho so, um, but they're they're pretty few and far between but uh, anyway this big bear coming into my camera or visited one night um and that guy tried to sit every day that i could for the next few days and right about that time we were getting the um the okay to go back to work and so i knew that um had to make the most of my time and like i said before uh, you know we're meat hunters we're trying to put meat in the freezer and so i wasn't gonna you know pass up you know one of these smaller bears if they came through and um when this, I was sitting in my tree stand and this bear came out about an hour before light and, uh, came out across the, across the way. And I could see him from about 50 yards away. And initially when he was coming through the brush, I thought it was that big bear. I was getting so excited, and, but I almost, <laughs> it was almost, yeah, I was already nervous as it was, you know, the nice thing about sitting over bait too, is you can give yourself a chance to calm down, which. I so worked up, you know, like it's hard for me to keep a level head in that situation. And so, um, watching this bear come in and realizing it was a smaller bear almost gave me a little sigh of relief. <laughs> and, uh, at first he, uh, he was a little leery and, you know, worked kind of slowly into the, into the bait, but provided a great shot for me and, um, shooting, uh, I'm shooting a, um, 
centaur battle axe head which i'm not sure if you know what that is but it's a two blade head that is kind of um, a swept back head and it has a pretty wide cut i think it's almost like over an inch and a half like an inch and seven inch point seven five or something like that yeah and so um when an arrow disappear uh it just does a beautiful thing you know to, to get full pass through um that was one thing i i was concerned about shooting um trad you know i didn't want to have uh penetration issues and and stuff like that and it was just something that I probably overthought, you know, uh, my arrow setups and, and broadhead setups and how much bow I'm shooting and, and all that. But um, I definitely am, am confident, uh, much more confident in my setup now after, you know, seeing what, what it can do and stuff. And um, was able to watch that bear run about 40 yards up to where he was, tr- where he came down through and he tumbled and rolled you know down the hill and so i knew he was hit well and called a called my son and my buddy out to help and um so we were able to right after dark we were able to finally find it and boy even with that wide cut um there was not a lot of blood on the ground you know it's mm-hmm. blood tra- tracking bears can be a challenge for sure i mean it's there's a lot of fat and there's a lot of hair and all that stuff just kind of soaks up blood and we were finding spots where he had brushed against you know a a bush or a tree or or whatever and there wouldn't even be a drop on on the ground and so um once we finally found him it was uh, a huge relief and um got him taken care of right away um it was a younger uh female probably maybe four or five year old female um and so she'll be just great eating and um we're i was very very happy um to get it done yeah. and like i said it was just a, a big relief by the time you know everything was coming down to it i needed to get back to work and it allowed me to switch off of bear hunting and get back focused on what's important making some money again. <laughs> yeah that's awesome man let me ask you this. My buddy, um, he's, he's shot both. He's shot compound and he shot recurve. And he, he kind of talks about how going, uh, to the recurve has actually up the adrenal adrenaline rush a little bit. Like, um, you can actually tell, like you watch videos of him shooting stuff. We film our hunts. You can watch videos of him shooting something with his compound bow and he gets excited. But if he shoots something with a recurve, it's like he hyperventilates. Do you experience that at all? Is it like a bigger rush and knowing that you've done it with a trad bow, uh, anything like that for you? I, I think so. You know, I, um, not to take anything, you know, away from, somebody that shoots a compound bow because i think that all oh, right shooting anything with any type of bow um it, you know is feet you know and it it um takes a lot of um practice and determination and and a level ability that goes beyond you know modern stuff and so things they have on the market are just incredible i mean you can't deny that they're getting faster and faster but a deer can jump a string on a 
compound bow, you know, the fastest compound in the bow in the world is not faster than the speed of sound. And so, um, you know, there, I think there's definitely challenges of getting it done up close with the bow shooting less than 200 feet per second. Um, it is a challenge and I think it's something to be proud of and, um, something that, um, I have a lot of respect for other guys, you know, for doing, and that's what, um, really, you know, drove me in, in this direction, you know, is, um, seeing a few other guys, um, making the switch and, um, having as much fun as our guys like Aaron Snyder, you know, you could only ever imagine what it would be like to get the kind of opportunities, um, that he gets, but, um, he was a big part of what made me want to, you know, switch over and got me fired up and excited, you know, about, uh, shooting trad. And so, um, I think that you're going to see more and more people go that direction, you know? Yeah. I don't think that, um, the technology is going anywhere either, you know, but I feel like there are people out there that, you know, made for traditional archery and they're, you know, really just waiting for the time to, jump in yeah no I, I think you're right i think um i think part of it is uh, there may have been this perception at least for me for a while that it's like man it's super hard to be accurate or there's this preconceived idea that you know it's it's only for like the elite people to do that and uh, i won this recurve and my buddy started showing me how to shoot and how i didn't realize there was different styles between instinctive or aiming with yeah. the point of the tip and and so i i kind of always thought you know, instinctive. I was like, man, that just takes so much time, which it does. And it's a, a pure way to shoot and hunt. But he showed me how to use the point of the arrow. And I thought, holy cow, I can actually be pretty effective with this thing out to at least 20 yards. At least that's where my range is right now. And that, that shocked me. I didn't realize that I could be that accurate um, using like a, a point of the tip kind of thing. And so I think guys, you know, if they, they get into this, they start practicing that. I think that's a big thing with it is you've got to dedicate that time to figuring out which style you're going to shoot. Um, and it, to me, I, I pick up my compound and the recurve has actually made me a better compound shooter. Every time I pick up my compound since then, it's, I've, my form is better. I think about back tension. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a cool thing to do. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, uh, you know, form is so crucial, uh, with a trad bow, you know, you can get away with, um, some pretty inconsistent form on a compound bow and still be in a pipe plate out at 50 yards, you know, or whatever. And with a compound or with a trad bow, I mean, you, if you don't get your back tension, right, or you're pulling away from your face, you're five or six inches from your intended, you know, point of aim. So, yeah. It can make a make a big one, but yeah, I think I never I never imagined um, I could be as accurate as I am with a trad bow, and I think that a lot of people think that unachievable un- unachievable to have you know true you know accuracy um, at any range with it's totally achievable you know it, it certainly takes some time and dedication um, it's made me want to shoot a lot more i enjoy shooting and so i want to go out and shoot 50 or 60 arrows every single day you know um yeah. and that's something i never 
I just didn't do. I'd go out and, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, shoot a couple rounds with my compound bow or something. I, I probably for the last 10 years, I shoot basically year round. And so I will try and get out and shoot, you know, at a, on a regular basis. But I would say in the last two years since I picked up trad, on an average, I would say I shoot 40, 50 hours a day, every day, including, mm. you know, Saturday, Sunday or whatever. So, yeah, very cool. Well, Nate, I mean, I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and kind of talking us through uh, some of your stories and uh, enjoyed hearing those. Um, what's, what's next for you? What's uh, your plan? And, you know, kind of getting into the summer months, I don't know what's up in hide anything uh, that you're still hunting or just kind of waiting for the fall. Uh, bear season still going here. Uh, my son has a tag. Um, I'm not sure that we'll, you know, be able to get out a bunch more. Um, but we're, looking into september now um so archery season for elk and deer deer starts august 30th and then elk starts september 6th and we're already scratching days off the calendar i can't wait all right another great guest i really appreciate nate coming on and telling those stories i know we had a few technical glitches in there where things weren't 100 but I, I think you guys got some great stories from nate still worked out and i really appreciate you guys listening so back to the decision thing that we were talking about. Have you ever had to make like a hard decision? You know, the debate between a recurve and a compound, That's that to me is not a, a huge life-changing decision for me. Um, but there's been some bigger moments in my life where I had to make a decision. Nate had to decide, you know, is he what's he going to do now that his son's not waking up and it, it paid off with an elk. But I'm talking about like bigger decisions. You know, which job should I take? Where should I move? Who should I marry? Um, you know, what should I do in this this given situation that I'm, I'm in? Um we have those all the time. I just want to tell you real quick how I, I kind of process those things. And it's something that I've kind of came to. It used to be um, I always kind of was looking for God to give me a special answer. I, I would pray about things, but like, God, give me an answer. And he, it seemed like sometimes he would. I remember my first uh, internship was at a church. I had no intentions of working at this church. I, didn't, I, I was just there with a traveling group and um, I went in and a guy started talking to me about a summer internship to work with the teens of the church. And I mean, it just felt right, um, and I had another church actually give me an offer to work for them, and it just I just knew from the get-go I was going to work with this church. I actually ended up being my wife's church. And then the following year, um, I got an opportunity to work at another church. I worked there, and then by the time I came to graduation, I had two job offers. Both of those churches waiting on me, my wife's home congregation uh, and this other, this other church. And then it wasn't so clear. I didn't get a feeling. I didn't get anything. I just had to choose between the two. And you would think it'd be easy because my wife was at one church, but she wasn't my wife then. <laughs> we were just dating, uh, and I didn't know. It was just it was a matter of trying to weigh the pros and cons, and I just had to go with it. I got no feeling, nothing from God on this is the right choice. And I look back at that, and I feel like God led me still. Um, you know, I look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not, let, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything but prayer. Um, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what that's saying to me is sometimes I think God will give us a clear direction. And we need to follow that. So if God gives you something that you're supposed to do, like you feel it, like he's calling you to do something, then then you do that. Um, you know, Joshua, he's called to lead the Israelites. God says, be strong and be courageous. 
I'm with you. I'm, I'm behind you. But there's these other times where we're like, man, I don't, I don't know. And so we weigh the pros, we weigh the cons, and we just make the best decision possible. I think probably the biggest mistake people make, including myself, is that we let indecision become the thing that we choose. We go back and forth between two options, and we, we just choose to do nothing. And I think that's probably one of the, the worst things that we can do. I think what we need to do is pray about it. Uh, that's what prayer, you know, prayer, supplication, that's a weird word, but just, just God, I need your help with this. And if we don't get like a clear direction or a clear sign in the sky kind of thing, pick something, go with it, and trust that God is going to walk you through it. Um, and that's where that peace kicks in. Sometimes we make that choice, we're not sure. I have peace in my life knowing that I spent four years at that job, um, and I'm no longer there, but I, I, without a doubt, feel like that was probably where God wanted me to be. Um, there's no way to know otherwise, but I, I, that's what I believe. So there's a, a thought for you on how to make decisions. If you got a big one that you're making right now, maybe that's helpful, maybe it's not. Either way, you got to hear some great hunting stories today from Nate, and I really appreciate you listening. Hope that you guys have a great week ahead of you, and remember to shed the light.